Um, speaking of adorableness, I don't know if Rams fans saw on Twitter with Seattle Rams, but he was holding a lamb in I didn't Ireland. Even see this. Was it? Yeah, he's, it seems like he is uh, the far reaches of, of, of Earth, Good. and he has befriended animals. And unlike you, Joe, I don't think he's going to eat them. I think they're just going to be friends. Is Rob turning into like a pastor? Is he going to go like start a ministry in like like one of those old weird Protestant sects? Like not even a, a, a new version of Christianity. Like one of those that only exists in Irish Protestant. Exactly, and and it's like in in one way there's there's all these kind of uh, ancient uh, deities that he yeah. that he admires, but then there's also just like a Cooper Cup bobblehead. <laughs> Part of the prayer circle. Cooper just... Cup is our lamb, and we play. T- we play like we pray. <laughs> Eighteen hilarious. Robert Forehand. Oh, Cooper <laughs> Cup, like old old Irish ditties about sailors and stuff. <laughs> Go ahead, Bravo. Good for you, Bravo. Yeah. What else we got on this uh, personal side? Uh, some rock and roll stuff. Look at this. What's going on with the – your kid, by the way, we've talked about this before. Augie doesn't go to school. He goes to day prison. What are they listening goes, to at day prison? They're listening to some metal. The yep, because it's kitty jail. Of course they are. <laughs> well, I think one kid was at a, at a, like a guitar center, and he saw an Iron Maiden poster, and he asked his dad, like, what's that? Like, who's that guy on this Iron Maiden poster? And suddenly his dad's like, all right, man, here's some Iron Maiden. And now he's like, rock and roll. And he's <laughs> talking about inner Sandman on the playground. And so I was talking about it with, with that dad. And this morning I, I put on Thunderstruck. Okay. By just to see. Because usually he's always like, I want to play in your phone. Or like, I want to listen to like the Paw Patrol theme song. Sure. And I was like, today we're going to listen to this song called Thunderstruck. Because it's a quick drive. It's really one song's worth to get to his day prison. It's okay. just down the street. So by the time Thunderstruck was finished, we we were in the parking lot, like ready to get out. So it's kind of perfect. And he was into it. He was totally like, what is this? And I've been a little sheepish on getting him into music that isn't so like apples and bananas. But From what I hear, Bravo's been pretty sheepish too, huh? 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 <laughs> huh? huh? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, all the kids are um, are into the metal, but like you know, kid friendly metal, which Metallica, Guns N' Roses is not metal, but you know, <laughs> I that's like the idea of kid friendly. All right, gather round for Paw Patrol. <laughs> Paw Patrol of Death, Dougie from the Sky. Make sure you recycle, kids. We all are going to die. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You got it. You, you got Paw it. Patrol, it out. Da, 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 da. Paw Patrol. But how do you think they pronounce Joker in Ireland? Oh, do you want to go see Joker? <laughs> you want to go see the Joker film today? <laughs> I think he paints his face to look like us. Puts on little red hair, beautiful red suit. Goes out and laughs about the countryside. Really, it's like that Robert Forehand, the new minister we have over at Flock of Sheep. <laughs> You should go see him on Sundays. He's wonderful. Yes, the little Seattle leprechaun. <laughs> he lives by the sea in the United States, so you know he's good. He's perfect for us. Glad to have you, Robert. Um, at 3AK underscore, I'm Joe. What's up? This is Joey. At LA Rams, Rams, Rams. What's up, Joey? What's up, Joseph? Hello there, jerks. 
Joseph of the coin. Oh, he came from France <laughs> to us to talk about keys on Venice. <laughs> if we had any Irish listeners, I'm sure we've offended them by, uh, by this point. Um, week four, man. Uh, we're going into week four of the NFL season. Uh, got a nice little Thursday night matchup. Philadelphia Eagles, one and two, interestingly, uh, against mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers. What do you think about that? Here's a question for you. Uh, let's say the Rams get into the playoffs and play one of these teams uh, after week 17. Who would you rather play? Well, I think if you're talking about the Eagles weeks from now, I got to ask you who's the quarterback going to be because I'm not going to put money on it being Carson Wentz because when was the last time that happened? So interesting. And he's only been in the league for for, for what? This is his fourth season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know who the Eagles are right now. I I don't know how they're going to develop over the season. Um, They haven't been off to a great start. Whereas I'm, I put a little more faith in the Packers. I don't like watching the Packers. I just, I've always kind of found their offense to be um, just not sure. fun to watch. And there's something about Aaron Rodgers that I just, I just don't like as like a competitor. I just think he's like kind of a smug um, nice. jerk. I don't know. I just don't find him very likable, but um, so I don't really like them much as a team. So I don't like playing them because they can't be dangerous. I think they're beatable, but they are a dangerous team, you know? So I um, I, th- I I can see them being in the playoffs. I have no idea about the Eagles. I They could go 7-9 and nine for all I know, or 12-4. and four. Look, look at my math skills. Figure that out. Interesting stuff. More interesting for our Los Angeles Rams, hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do, do they know what Buccaneers are in Ireland? Do they have any, like, concept? Exactly. We just use what it freely. What do you freely. mean, people? People, people who sail, around, people who sail around just taking and pillaging goods. Eh, those are fishermen. Can, can I tell you a terrible kids joke? I was like, I, and, uh, please I, do. I enjoy pirate jokes, and so okay. I was looking at a bar, and the, and the bartender he he was like, "I'm going to come up with my own pirate joke." So one night we just tried to write a pirate joke. And the one we came up with, which I actually think is a a, a legit pirate joke, which is, "How yeah. much does a pirate sell corn for?" Okay. A buccaneer. A buccaneer. Very good. Very good. The buccaneers are one and two, but there are three teams in the NFC South right now that are one and two. And the only NFC one that maybe I don't know who is the worst team. Is it the Falcons? Is it the Bucs? It might be the Panthers. Is it the Panthers? I was gonna say it's, with with Cam Newton out. Although Kyle Allen got it done last week. I don't know, man. I don't know. They're the only one of those three teams. They're the only one that won last week. But right. I feel like if we just talk about the Buccaneers right now. They they lost that game technically, but with the skill set and the team that they had, they they won the game. They just they messed up the kick. But I I don't. Sometimes we want to be so judgy about a loss and a win. Like oh, they're not a good team because they lost to the Giants. And you're like, well, I mean, they're very close. And I felt like when you when you watch that game, I felt like their defense was um, had a lot of bite to it, and they were getting a lot of sacks, and they're really sure. getting to Daniel Jones. So I don't think that they're this pushover team. I don't think they feel like a one and two team. I mean, they had the game. They were, like, they were up twenty-eight to ten at halftime. You know. Yeah, they screwed it up. They screwed it up. They had a win, and they uh, found a way to screw it up. That's the bottom line. And uh, you know, beat the Panthers in week two. So I, th- I think they're better than a lot of people are giving them credit. And we don't have a lot of separation between the mediocre teams and the bad teams yet. You know, Tampa Bay mm-hmm. only has one more win than the Miami Dolphins, but there's a lot of space in between those two teams in terms of their performance. Yep. 
Um, so the Buccaneers could easily lose this one and next week against New Orleans and be one and four. And, and, and maybe not be much worse than a Buffalo Bills team that we talked about that could start out five and one. Right. It, a lot of it is sure. just on schedule yep. and process and how we get there. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're, they're not that bad overall. They got a lot to like on defense, especially up front. Um, front seven's very good. A lot of good skill players, especially at wide receiver. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to come down to probably uh, Jameis Winston. Before we do that, let's get into the injury report. Things look good to start the week on the initial injury report. No Aaron Donald. Blythe and Higby both day-to-day. So there's a good chance that we get them both back uh, this week. What do you think? I think that's great for Higgs. I'm a little bit kind of surprised that he's already back on practice. We haven't really had too much uh, information that's detailed information about his injury, except for initially it was that his lungs were um, – what, what, what was the specific word that he used with it his lungs? It was a chest contusion, a but contusion. I like that he was coughing up blood. Like what do you think he's at? Oh, man, this is red lugs. I'm just hawking some red lugs. I'll be fine. <laughs> some red lugs. Dude, it was pretty metal, man. It was – I just felt, I, I felt like a four-year-old <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) 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 So Higgs is no longer barfing blood all over Goff, so he's ready to put a helmet on and march out there. Uh gets get some blocks and and hopefully, you know, he'll he'll be playing. Um he'll get some snaps. I mean, I feels like he'll just suit up but you're still gonna start gerald everett maybe i i feel like you're gonna be a little tentative on bringing higgs it kind of depends on how things go over the week you know like uh do they give him a full go like and blythe too do they give them a full go and practice on friday and do those guys feel good to go i mean these are tough dudes um you know yeah but if you think about like this if, if 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 it's all about the person that stepped in in front of them to to take the starting job. Sure, and you sure. look at Higgs and you look at Black, you look at Gerald Everett, and you look at Jamel Dimby. Who is the person that you're a little more worried about as being a starter? Sure, sure. So Austin Blythe, I think, is a little bit more like, how's your ankle doing, buddy? Can you get out there? Where Higgs, you're a little bit like, yeah, man, if you play, that's great. But like, you know, Gerald Everett is no slouch. He's not, Everett isn't killing you out there, but maybe Dimby is, especially if you talk to you. old lamb boy in the Ireland. I was, and don't forget, you um, always have third tight end, Johnny Munt. He can. I'm ready to go. Coach. Say the word. Oh, Johnny Munt. <laughs> Just play the boog, the bugle, and I'll get out of my my camping tent for I'm over on the hill. Coach, I've always got my uniform ironed and ready to go. I'm as crisp as I will be on Sunday. <laughs> exactly. So, old Johnny Munt, young Gerald Higgs. It's quite the monthly group. Our tight end. What unit. a trio! What a trio! What a trio! Good to go. Um, on the Buck side, yeah, we talked about the basic uh, structure of the front seven. Jameis Winston's still there, man. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's been a while. It's only a year more than uh, Jared Goff. This is, yeah. remember, his fifth-year option year, along with Marcus Mariota. So uh, because we already got the Goff deal done, it doesn't necessarily impact things. But it was going to be really interesting if we went into next offseason and hadn't gotten a Jared Goff deal done to see how those guys are going to recalibrate the market. Because I, I don't know what those deals are going to look like and whether they're going to be with the same teams that they're with now, Winston on the Bucks and Mariota on the Titans. Cause you know, th- there's teams that are probably going to be more desperate. You could see Tampa maybe drafting another quarterback and trying to make it work. It's uh, uh, with a new head coach and Bruce Arians. I don't know, man. It's a weird, weird situation there for famous Jameis. It is. And there's a couple teams that need a quarterback maybe next year. And I could see maybe Jameis Winston 
thriving in another environment for another team. Sure. I don't know if if maybe the Bucks are just the perfect team for him, but it kind of seems like maybe they are, and he's just a finished product. Product, kind of like how we're talking about with Jared Goff. Like, how much more progression is is he going to do? What's the development? Where are we in the development? And with Jameis Winston, I think it's just going to be a good season, bad season type of thing. You're kind of getting that with guys like Cam Newton, where. It's maybe it's about the injury, maybe it's about something lingering or, or or whatever. But with Winston, it's less injury, right? And it's more just about how he's um, just feeling right to play. I was gonna say I don't know what it's about with James. He's he's just all over I the feel place. Like it's maybe mental, maybe you know, like how he's seeing the defense and how and how they're coming up with a fix for him, you know. But when I look at the box, I have three questions for yeah. you, Joe. We talk about the Bucks and the Rams playing them this Sunday. First off is Shaq Barrett. He had four sacks on Sunday against the Giants. He already has eight sacks going on the season. So right now, he is just this fantastic acquisition that they got from the Broncos. And he's just playing out of his mind right now. So as an edge rusher, is he going to be handled by... Did different dudes, or is this something where you want to put old AW on him? Yeah, no, he's he's rushing against the left side, so he'll it'll be Shaq Barrett against uh, Andrew Whitworth, and Carl Nassib is on the other side working against Rob Havenstein. Those are those are huge matchups, and yeah, Shaq's been hot. So this is hmm, this might be the biggest test for Whitworth thus far. I mean, it kind of depends, right? Because you're talking about production versus performance. Like, look at somebody like Aaron Donald, right, who hasn't had the production, but the performance has been there. Um, he's played out of his mind. The difference is Shaq's getting these good opportunities, and he's taking full advantage of them. Uh, three sacks against Carolina and another four against the Giants. So, yeah, it's a it's a big test for Andrew Whitworth and for the Rams front overall. I know, you know, a lot of people have felt like the offensive line has been a bit of a issue. It's, it's interesting because if you look at uh, most of the metrics and really how they performed overall, they haven't been bad. I think it's a combination of a people had concerns going into the season because we had the personnel turnover, but also because they were so good last year that we were kind of preparing ourselves for a drop off. And there has been one through three games compared to the average performance from last year, but that doesn't mean they're bad overall. Right. I think they're ranked a third in run blocking by football outsiders. And I think like 12th or something in pass blocking. So it's, it's a, it's a top half of the league offensive line and, and a good run blocking offensive line. They just gotten off to some slow starts and it feels like a decline from last year. And I think that's, that's given some fans a little bit of discomfort with the line, but it doesn't mean they've done a bad job overall. Which leads me to my second question with the, Interior offensive line struggling is Nadamika going to be a problem for our interior line? Do you think he want? Is there like a motivation factor? I wonder. I would like Nadamika Sue's year with us was so unique and odd. Like, uh-huh. do you think? But no bad blood. Is but is there? I don't know. See, I don't know. Um, well, he wasn't traded. He right. wasn't disrespected. He. I mean, maybe he didn't get the contract that he wanted, or maybe he knew that the Rams couldn't afford him or whatever. I, he, he could be the type of guy saying, hey, they should have made room in their salary cap for me. I don't think he's that type of guy, though. I think he's more just not taking it personal and just going for the contracts. He's kind of a journeyman play. He's played for several handful of teams. Yeah, It's not like he's a, a lifer. You know, it's, it's not like if you look at like Whitworth and like if Whitworth goes back to Cincinnati, there's a little bit like, oh, that's his team. He was there for 12 seasons. 
I mean, <laughs> you can do that with with Sue a lot. I mean, you got the Lions, you got the Dolphins, you got the Rams. He's I think he still has a, a little bit left in the tank, and it'll be interesting to see how Brian Allen and Demby and and also Noteboom how they deal with somebody like him. I I don't know. I don't think it's the worst. It's it's not the biggest challenge in the world, but I think it's a challenge to to keep track of. Definitely one to keep track of. I think what's interesting is if you look at his regular season last year, it probably underwhelmed. If you look at his playoff performance through those three games, it probably overwhelmed. And so I think, you know, for a guy who's yep. 32 years old, what, how does he manage his body week to week? And, you know, is, is he a guy that is trying to get him tuned up in November and December? Or is he a guy that can can perform every single week at his top level? I don't know. I don't know that he did last year. And I don't know if that was on purpose or just things shook out. But, you know, he hasn't been incredibly productive for the Buccaneers yet. So I don't know if teams are, are scheming for him because I haven't watched a ton of Bucs, uh, you know, consistent uh, football to be able to go back and remember how he played yeah. individually. But um, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be a good battle on the inside. And, you know, that's the kind of thing you want to test some of these guys with. You know, when you talk about No Boom and Allen, they're going to be our starters the whole season as long as they stay healthy and into the future, barring any unforeseen development. Mm-hmm. So the, these are the kind of challenges they're going to have to face, whether it's yeah. an elder Sue or some of the guys that uh, obviously the Carolina front that they dealt with was very good. Um, you know, this is a team that expects to make the playoffs, so they need to make sure that they're getting some of these challenges on the way to the playoffs. Right. And that leads to my third question, which is the Bucks are very good against the run. They, yeah, they were able to find an answer for Christian McCafferty. They also, um, I mean, Saquon, Bar- Bar- Saquon Barkley got hurt, sure. so that was a little bit sure. different. But they, they weren't getting beat by the running game of the opposing team. So when the Rams play them on Sunday, do you think that McVay is going to continue his trend of starting the first half of the game being predominantly a passing offense? It's interesting, right? Because the if it was an average team, if it wasn't a specific opponent, the one thing you'd probably say is that the Rams need to get more out of their ground game to help the passing game out and and make the play action a little more threatening in a more sincere way. Mm-hmm. But then you got this matchup where they, you got this good defense uh, up front to deal with the run. And so you say, well, this is, you know, maybe the week where your boy needs to go off, where Jared needs to kind of break out of this funk. They're not a great passing defense. They do have a good run defense. So you want to be able to stretch the numbers. Um, mm-hmm. They do have Shaq Barrett, but overall, it's not a great pass rush. So you should be able to give golf some time to deal with it, especially if they don't blitz. Remember, that was the problem with the Cleveland game was they were sending these blitzers up front. So there was just no time to attack deep against the secondary where they didn't have any other starters. And obviously that made sense because you don't want to give golf time to go against your backups, but maybe the Buccaneers feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, not blitzing and sending a conventional front. And maybe that gives Jared golf time to work. So it's going to be an interesting balance because, you know, Sean McVay talked about the idea of trying to get Todd Gurley a 25 carry game. I don't know how sincere that is. I, I, you know, at this point, given what happened at the end of last season, and everything that went, you know, down in the off season. Do we ever? Do we want Todd Gurley to get a twenty-five carry? Do we want him to get a twenty-five carry game in Week Four against the Buccaneers? Like this would seem to be a team that the Rams should be able to beat without requiring Gurley to get twenty-five carries and incur that kind of you know exposure and the vulnerability that comes with it. 
is this is this maybe a week to start giving Daryl Henderson a couple looks and, and and letting him help soften up that that run defense as good as it is and, and asking Goff, you know, to kind of carry the offense? It seems like that might be the bigger ask than than looking to Gurley and looking to the run offense as a whole to kind of open things up just the way that the Bucks are structured. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's um, it's it's kind of like. It's almost like the, the the Rams have have some form of a of a monkey on the back where they're just thinking, okay, well, next team we play, we'll establish the run game, but right now we need that we need that hit of some golf, and you know it's it's almost asking for more disappointment because right now it feels like what the offense really needs is some balance, and I think we're just doing too many passing plays, but. This maybe is not the week to change to change your stripes. Yeah, it could be more Cooper Cup, could be more from the tight ends too. What's been interesting, I did that snap count look. We've gotten more Josh Reynolds. We've gotten some four-man looks on uh, across the wide receiver, so maybe a chance for him to come in. Remember last year, we saw so much Josh Reynolds because Cooper Cup got hurt. But now mm-hmm. we've been uh, finding a way to get all four of them in there, and I think that's been interesting. In, t- in terms of waiting for that next opponent, the problem is for the Rams, the next three are Seattle, San Francisco, and Atlanta. So you don't get a reprieve in terms of quality and, and impact, right? You talk about NFC West battles against the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers. Those are games you need to win. Atlanta, huge NFC matchup, especially if Atlanta can get some results between now and then. Obviously, Cincinnati is a bit lesser of an opponent, and being in London right before the bye week, that's a pretty unusual game setup. And then, you know, second half of the season is what it is. We'll get there when we get there. But in terms of this one, uh, you you can't really let up this week because uh, you know, or, or look to next week to be able to fix things because next week's going to be a, a tougher matchup. Thursday night football, so it's a short week. You really can't look past this one. I know th- there's a bit of a sense of whether or not this is a trap game. What do you think? Uh, th- this has some of the makings of one, but I, I don't know that the Rams are, m- m- and maybe this is me buying into Sean McVay too much, but I don't know that this is the kind of team that can get trapped. And also, I think for it to be a trap game, you have to have more expectations from the Rams. I think right now we're not thinking like, ah, man, they're going to kill anybody they face. Like right. they're unbeatable. I think a lot of us are kind of being like, yeah, we're three and zero, but uh, and putting our kind of fingers on the collar of our shirt and trying to kind of you know uh, come up with how how are we going to get better? Yeah. And yeah, there is like a huge contingent of Rams fans that are thinking like, we're gonna we're gonna break out of this fog, or we're doing great. There's there's no problems. I've, nothing to look at here. So maybe it's a trap game for some fans who maybe don't see the struggles of the Rams or they're looking at through rose colored glasses. But I think to, to be like a, just your, your practical uh, realist, it can't be a trap game because I don't think everybody, I don't, I, I just don't think the Rams are playing like a team that right now is Super Bowl caliber. I don't think they're, they're, they're playing like they're, the best team in the NFC or even top five. Oh, interesting. I think they're getting the wins, mm-hmm. but I just don't think the way they played against the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. and e- even the first two games, I, I don't think that's a team that could win in the Super Bowl. I don't think that that team could beat the Chiefs or the Patriots. The, the, the real issue right now is the offense. See, I don't know. I feel pretty good about the team, the way they've played, if only because the defense has been so good. The defense has been really, yes. really good combining mm-hmm. the secondary with Aaron Donald. That's really what it's been about. And, and Dante Fowler's improved since the first game. I know I had some 
disagreements with people about his performance in week one, but he's, I thought the last two weeks done really well. Um, but the offense mm-hmm. has lagged. Here, here's a, some random stats. I was looking at football outsiders drive charts earlier today. Um, First thing I'd note is uh, where the field position starts. The Rams, because of their defense and, you know, quality of their special teams outside of week one, the Rams have the third best starting field position. They're one of five teams, or excuse me, six teams that start beyond the 30-yard line. We're right now at 31.7. So right around the 32-yard line is our average starting field position. That's third in the league. Uh, and because of that, and you know, some of the efficacy of the offense overall, we're still one of the better scoring offenses. We're 10th in terms of scoring 2.33 offensive points per drive. That's not in the tops. Baltimore is up there at 3.67. That's almost a point and a half per drive better, but we're still top 10 in scoring. The real issue has been yardage. Uh, and this has been affected both by turnovers, um, but also just the inability to keep moving the chains, whether that's the running offense or whether it's some key third down situations. The Rams are 17th in yards per drive. That puts us in the bottom half of teams. So here, here's how I'd ask it to you. Do the Rams need to break out of this offensive funk? Can they keep Can they keep winning games if we go past this one with Seattle, San Fran, Atlanta? Do you feel comfortable winning games the way that we have the first three? Do you think it's sustainable? Or do you think we're going to need to get the offense cranking in order to get to some of those dubs? Well, we've played some pretty good teams. So my instinct was to say, like, no, we need to break out because I want us to break out. But no, I I think if you can beat Carolina, New Orleans, and Cleveland, then you could beat Seattle, San Francisco, and Atlanta. Seems like those teams aren't that much better than the three teams we've previously played. Yeah, it feels that way. But, you know, when you start, you know, some teams are going to get hotter, some teams are going to get better. I mean, Dallas is playing really well. So I think, you know, can we beat them? I don't know. I think with the way we're playing right now, I think there's a little bit of a ceiling on how good we are. Right. And if we're playing against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl and he's thrown up 30 points, do I think we can get 31 points? Well, I don't know. It, it, it's like we got, we, we, we've got there once this season, right? Um, but just from the way they play in, in Cleveland, it just felt it felt like a little bit like they still got some improvements to make. And you know, if 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 you you know, well, my feet to the fire, I I would definitely say that they are going to figure it out, and Goff is going to play. Back. Well, here's my, that was going to be my question. Who? I'll do it both sides, and I think we know the answer to the latter. Is who do you think? is closer to a breakout game and who do you want more to have the break or who's more important to having the breakout game, Jared Goff or Todd Gurley? Right. That is a good question, but it really depends on what you are now expecting from Todd Gurley moving forward in a Rams uniform. What do you, you think? Oh, he's going to have yeah. a, well, I, do, I, I think he's, I think he's different. I think he's no longer Caterpillar. He's a butterfly now. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not looking back and thinking that he's going to be a guy that's going to catch the ball a bunch of times in a game. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to consistently get 23 touches a game. So I am now thinking that a breakout for him is great, but I don't think it's going to be the new normal. I think he's definitely capable of having some big games. What I don't think Todd Gurley is capable now is having 10 games in a row where he is just highly productive and he's a workhorse and he's getting 250 touches for the season. I just don't think that that's who he is anymore. Here's something to think about. 
in the in the Sean McVay era, Todd Gurley has had three games where he's gotten less than two targets. One uh, against Jacksonville in 2017. That was week six. The other two mm-hmm. are this season, week one and week three. It's it, yeah, it's interesting because the first season that he was with McVay, Gurley started off slow. Right. His first three yeah. or four games, you know, we were like, oh man, Gurley's not looking good. And then he just figured it out. And then he was consistently like that type of player. So I could be talking on my butt right now and saying like, oh, he's a butterfly. He's totally changed his stripes. He's a different guy. And then he figures it out this week or next week. And then for the rest of the season, he's 19 or he's 2018 Todd Gurley. I think that's what a lot of people want. I just, I don't know. I just, I, it doesn't feel like that's in the recipe of what the season's going to be. And I would say if my my money would go towards Goff uh-huh. figuring it out and him having a great a great game, throwing three hundred fifty yards for four touchdowns, no interceptions, and then he has his confidence and they start playing and he's putting up numbers similar to that as he did last year, and people go, oh, maybe he could get the MVP, and then him not get think- that to me, I think that's a little bit more likely than Gurley just becoming this workhorse suddenly. Yeah, I think what what I'm maybe closer to is buying the idea that what we're seeing from Todd is is going to be uh, the new normal, and I don't know that I'm comfortable with that with Jared. Right, where we've we've seen 14, 16, and 14 carries from Todd Gurley. We've seen one, four, and one targets. I think if we get something similar to that this weekend, I don't I don't know that we will. But I could buy into the idea of that's just what we're going to see from him now. We're not going to have games where he's getting six, seven, eight passing targets. We're not going to have games where he's getting 22, 24, 26 carries. Uh, and, and if that's the case, um, you know, I, 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 can, I don't have a problem with that, but I can buy into the idea that that's what we should expect moving forward versus what we've seen from Jared this season uh, and the struggles that he had and, and you know, not getting up into the high 20s, into the 30s in terms of his passing outputs. I, I could totally see that changing and even changing after this game where I would feel comfortable expecting that. Uh, whereas I, I just feel kind of more soon that this is where things are with Todd Gurley. I don't think it's a bad thing, especially as the Rams continue to win. And if they can unlock more of the running game around Todd Gurley with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson and maybe get uh, more out of the passing game. I don't know that I'm going to feel all that uncomfortable with uh, Todd being used less than he has in the past, as long as the Rams are still getting it done. Tennessee Titans, Atlanta Falcons, uh, Patriots, Bills. That's a really fun game between two 3-0 teams. Kansas City Chiefs, Detroit Lions, not a loss. Detroit's 2-0-1. Remember, they tied week one against Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals. That's a fun game. That's in Detroit. Um, I great. mean, Kansas City looks really good, but uh, we'll see. Maybe Detroit can get another upset after doing the uh, Eagles in. Uh, Raiders Colts, that's at Indianapolis, so that one seems pretty heavily in favor of Indy. Here's a weird one. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Chargers are big favorites, but they're 1-2. Mm-hmm. and two. They haven't played their best football. They're getting Melvin Gordon back. Yep. If If I don't know. I mean, you start looking at Miami's schedule and you start to feel like, yeah, I don't know when they're going to be able to pick one of these up. Maybe this is their best one for a couple weeks uh, until the Jets, which is in November. Otherwise, it might be a long time for Dolphin fans. You know, for a, for a hot second, I just want to mention the Chargers tension with the Rams, where the Rams are perturbed at the organization of the Los Angeles Chargers because they're not pulling their share with the PSLs with how much do you, do you buy into that? Because like 
didn't we know that they weren't like what what did they think was going to happen or do you think that because i kind of felt like this was just a chance just to point out that they suck and nobody likes them yeah i feel like there's been some tension i think with chargers players feeling like they don't have a fan base and this 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 sort of i maybe there's just they're trying to make a narrative whereas like this is not gonna work right now (laughs) that language hasn't been used it's been more right. just like, hey, you know, the siblings are fighting again, and the Rams are mad at the Chargers, and the Chargers are broke, and that's as far as the story can go. So yeah. how do we how do we move it forward where the Chargers are going to move to St. Louis or something? <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like right where the the story the way it was framed was like the Rams are upset that the Chargers aren't pulling their weight. Well, the pretty sure the Rams knew the Chargers weren't going to pull their weight. So I don't, I don't really know how upset they are versus yeah, how interested they are on pushing that button often. Yeah, and you know what? That stadium's getting expensive. You know, as, as it moves forward, so I'm sure Stan Kroenke is annoyed that the Chargers get to be like, "Hey, our new stadium's opening next year," and he's like, "Um, kind of your stadium." Washington 0-3 at the New York Giants 1-2. Don't watch that unless you're really horny for Daniel Jones. Uh, Cleveland Browns 1-2 at the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Ravens have looked really, really good this far this season. If the Browns drop this one for all their offseason hype, they're going to drop to 1-3. So that's a big game for them. Then they go on the road against the 49ers, home against the Seahawks, at the Patriots, at Denver, Cleveland's digging themselves a hole. And for all the drama that they had in the offseason, you got Baker fighting with, uh, who was it, Rex Ryan? I don't know what's going on for Freddie Kitchens, but they're struggling, man. And I'm glad we got got our win and got out of there as quickly as we could because uh, uh-huh. I don't want to deal with any of that. Carolina, 1-2 and two at the Houston, Texas, two, Texans, 2-1. Two and one. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, 2-1 and one against the winless Cardinals. I think we know how that one's likely to go. It'll be interesting if it doesn't, if Kyler can get his first career win there. Uh, maybe the game of the week, Minnesota Vikings, Chicago Bears, NFC North. Both of them are two and one. That could be a good turning point game. Jacksonville Jaguars, one and two. Denver Broncos, 0 and three. Sunday night football. This is also a candidate for game of the week. The three and O Dallas Cowboys in referee world, New Orleans Saints, two and one. We're all going to be watching that quite closely. And then Monday night football. You want to feel, you want to come down. Oh man, the 0 and three Cincinnati Bengals and the 0 and three Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's Monday get sad. Football has had a brutal schedule. It's not been good, man. Been, it's been pretty bad. Thursday night and football thir- hasn't been great, but well, thir- I was going to say Thursday night football has been pretty good. I know that's usually the the you know the feeling about Thursday night football, but to this point, it's been pretty decent. I think because you got to give some credit to to old uh, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, he he added he added some sparkle because before that game was played, Jaguars Titans sounded pretty snoozy. It's one of those things where they both need to get it together, right? Between the Jaguars and the Titans, I don't. Neither of them should be where they're at. But I think that's part of the challenge with a lot of these one-win teams. Whether you're talking about the Falcons, the Browns, the Eagles, all of those guys are one-win teams that should be better than that. We'll have to see. Um, what do you think? A little college uh, look ahead, uh, week four. Not a great one. Not as bad as where we were two weeks ago. Uh, only a couple ranked on ranked matchups, but really this is this is a week to start separating teams out. Your ranked on ranked matchups is Virginia Notre Dame. Notre Dame coming off that loss to Georgia. If they lose this one, they're out of the playoff hunt. Uh, and then mm-hmm. USC at Washington. That's a really interesting one in the middle of the day for the Pac-12. 
what do you think when you look at this schedule? Is there any team, any matchup that you're looking at? Anything in terms of the draft? I know it's early for the draft process, but what do you think? Well, um, my boys, Oregon, will be playing, right? Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Their next game, I feel like, is on the 5th. So they're going to play Cal. So they must have a they must have a bye. I don't see on their schedule that they're they're playing anybody. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm interested. You know, I, I have my teams and I'm kind of paying attention to. So I think Michigan is no longer in 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 the play to do anything interesting. I think after that loss, I mean, they pretty much. Well, they have to run the table and the way that they struggled against Army and obviously just didn't get much done early on against Wisconsin. I think it's fair to start assuming that they're pretty much done. Um, Oregon, like you said, looking very good despite the uh, loss to start the season against Auburn. They could climb their way back into it. There was a good piece at ESPN with with their projections. They quantify everything. They had 12 teams that have a 1% chance or better Mm -hmm. to make the playoffs. So just 12. So at the back, you're talking about Florida, Florida, Oregon, Penn State, Auburn, Notre Dame. That's 12 through 8. So really what you're looking at, because all of those uh, already have a loss, or when you look at Auburn, Florida, struggle through some SEC fights and Penn State looking up at a couple teams in the Big Ten. So 7 is Wisconsin. They're coming off of that big win against Michigan, but their schedule has some big pitfalls moving forward. They're at Illinois, at Ohio State, at Nebraska in the weeks ahead. So they got a tough gauntlet to run. They do look really, really good, though. So we got Wisconsin at seven, LSU at six, and obviously the win at Texas has helped them more than anybody. Number five is Oklahoma. Uh, Big 12 is in a funky place now, Um, but we'll see. I mean, Oklahoma is obviously the main favorite because they and Baylor and Kansas State are still undefeated. Kansas State's at 24 ranked. Texas is 11, but that loss against LSU hurts them a little bit. It kind of depends on what happens with LSU moving forward. Uh, and what that loss looks like on their schedule. Number four is Georgia. Three is Ohio State. Two is Alabama. One's Clemson. So this isn't another week, uh, or this is another week where we're not going to see the top teams tested. Clemson's got North Carolina. Alabama's got Ole Miss. LSU, I think, is off. So I think it's one of those things where, as you as you look around the college landscape, this is not the week to really go all in. It is a yeah. good week to get into the draft and some movers and shakers. Ohio State maybe their first test of the year with Nebraska, your boys, but Ohio State looks really, really, really good, and I don't know that Nebraska's good enough to challenge them, although that's been Ohio State's mm-hmm. uh, pitfall in the recent years is Iowa and Purdue. It hasn't been the best teams. It's been some of these middling teams, so maybe this is the team to challenge them and not you know, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, all left on Ohio State's schedule. Uh, maybe this is the weekend that they get undone. We'll see. This just came in. The Super Bowl halftime show has a performer, and it's actually somebody that has ties to last season's story of the Los Angeles Rams when they played in Mexico City. You know? Oh, Shakira. Shakira will be performing at the Super Bowl. Well, of course, it's in Miami. That's See, the NFL always does that. Mm -hmm. 
the Super Bowl's in Miami, so they have to have somebody to fit uh, Miami. That's why last year when the Super Bowl was in Atlanta, they got Maroon 5. Well, who's just Nothing's more Atlanta than Maroon 5. 